Hi, I'm Danny. And I'm Danica. And we're biracial unicorns. And do you got a second? We just needed to talk. We just need to talk. Um, yeah. So, first off, hello. Second hey. off. So, we had an episode come out this week that we recorded early. I was in a busy work situation and we recorded a little earlier than usual. So we haven't spoken since the tragedy of last week. Yeah. And while a lot of the things we covered in last week or this week's episode is like kind of applicable to the conversation we'll be shortly having here, Mm -hmm. we just felt like it was important to build this space. Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree. A thing that we say again and again on our show, we like to explain things and what things are and what they are not. And I think we're going to just take this time to not only recognize the humanity of the victims, but start seeing how we can properly address and process this massacre in Atlanta. Yeah. So unless you've been under a rock, you have likely heard about what happened last week in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So before we go into our reactions and some framing for processing this, uh, we did want to create that space to acknowledge the victims and their humanity and who they were. So I was just going to share just a little bit about each of the victims. So there's Xiao Jitan, who was 49 years old, and she owned two businesses in Mm -hmm. Atlanta. One of the two was Young's Asian Spa, where the first shooting occurred. And it occurred and she was murdered one day before her 50th birthday. There was Dao Yong Fang, age 44. Um, She was the person who I wasn't able to find much about. Uh, She was an employee of um, Xiao Jie. And most people just said she was like a really nice, nice to herself person. She only been working there a few months. Yeah, kind, quiet, but approachable um, was what I found about her. Paul Andre Michaels, who was 54 years old. He was a gentleman who was doing maintenance um, Mm -hmm. at the shop. And he, he grew up in Detroit and had nine siblings. And um, he was a staunch Republican. And Mm -hmm. um, he's not the demographic that you would think of as being the victim of these crimes either. Yeah. Hyung Jung Grant, who uh, had been a school teacher in South Korea before she moved to the U.S., and she had two sons. Soon Jung Park, who was 74, the oldest of the victims, but was really very healthy. And Mm -hmm. something that I saw that her son-in-law said about her was that everybody said she was going to live to be over 100 because she was like just one of those strong matriarch types. Soon Cha Kim, who's 69, her granddaughter described her as a fighter and a rock for both her two children and her three grandchildren. And her granddaughter also shared a story about how she would call her, her grandmother would call her every week and say, stay strong in life. When you're strong, I'm happy, which I thought was was beautiful. Young A Yu, who is 63, Her eldest son, Robert, described her as an amazing woman who loved to introduce her family and friends to home-cooked Korean food and Korean karaoke. And then Delana Ashley Yan, who is 33, her husband, 
Mario Gonzalez was actually in another room and survived the shooting. The two of them had been married for less than a year and they had two kids, one who was eight months old. So that's just a little bit about the victims. We can't like fully encapsulate their full humanity here, but I thought it was important to recognize them as individuals. Um, So much of the narrative around these sort of mass shootings tends to like flatten the victims. Mm. I I think it's hard for us as a society to flex those empathy muscles, despite all the talks of like thoughts and prayers, if we can't recognize people as humans and actually see them. So I wanted to share that before we, (laughs) we talk more about our our reactions and some framing tips for everyone else out there. Did you have anything to add to that, Damika? No, uh, thank you so much for just making sure that we had that tie to their humanity and starting to show that way in making sure I was looking for interviews with family members. I love that there was this thing of they loved having meals with their family or they came here and they worked hard, like not lumping them all together, but seeing that thread of like they were, they were, kind they were easy to approach and and I, I absolutely love that that all these women had different lives but they had this unifying they were they were someone's mother someone's sister they were they were daughters and um this uh it, right there just really kind of just brings it home i know one of the, the the sons are saying that they would have weekly uh meals with their mother they're grown they're grown sons and it was yeah. just one of those things of like i that should just get you that you shouldn't need anything else of like having to know that that's just there's just something that's the humanizing part of it. So you're right. Even the word victims just they just it does lump them all together. And yeah. so thank you for taking that time to do that. Yeah. I mean, we've talked we did a whole episode on mass shootings. Um, it is a reality of our country. And where we live and hate crimes are a reality of our country and where we live. I was in a very stressful (laughs) spot last week. And so when the news of this broke, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, I I can't say anything else. I must start crying. (laughs) I mean, yeah, (laughs) it's same. Um, It was one of those things where I'm not. It's not a callous, but my knee yeah. jerk my knee jerk reaction was we knew this was going to happen. And like I just I was reading the article and they weren't coming out with all the names yet. And I was just like, we saw this freaking coming. We saw this coming. And I was just like, normally I'm a person who will react with the sorrow first and then the anger will come. And yeah. I think I was Filled with rage. Like the anger just came into me. I remember when we did our first episode about COVID and we were saying this very thing about the yeah. danger. And then we we were discussing our toolkits. You were saying that it's something you really wanted to talk about and explain about the increase. And then I remember when I was still in England talking about, you know, people are being punched in the face. Elderly Asian Pacific Island people are being punched in the face. And it's not that these crimes have just come out of nowhere. It was this increase. It was this exacerbation of it all. And I just, when I heard it, it's like, we saw this one coming and I was furious. Yeah. Stop AAPI hate. It's done a report on, and perhaps many of you have seen these numbers floating around, that there have been nearly 3,800 
hate incidents towards Asian American Pacific Islanders reported since March 2020. And that's reported. You have to also remember that most of the time these things are not reported. And that's that includes 503 incidents this year alone, 2021. We're not even done with March, y'all. No, we're not even a quarter of the way there. Yeah. Um, and I think for both of us, we were, we were exchanging texts about this, this incident and, um, what we wanted to say as biracial unicorns about it. I think we, we haven't talked a lot about Asian folks specifically and Pacific Islanders specifically on the show, but I, I think it is important in this moment to, to recognize that the violence towards AAPI people, while it's been on the rise, it's not the first time. I think there's a lot there about model minority that makes people feel like perhaps Asian Americans are immune to Mm. racism or racial violence. And that's just, that's not the case. I think it's also wrapped up in this package with xenophobia and at the moment wrapped up in this package with blame for uh, COVID-19. And I think when you're talking about this sort of violence, it's also important to recognize that women bear the brunt of that violence. Women of Asian descent have 2.3 times more incidents of violence than men of Asian descent. And we could talk a little bit about the history of that, but I think this this folds into what we were talking about on Tuesday's episode. It's the combined issue of misogyny mm-hmm. and racism and how it creates this individual storm for different women of color. And so Asian American women bear a different sort of relationship um, to those sorts of systemic issues. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why we can't treat racism as a as a monolith towards each race. And that's why we're talking about when we do the work in your right, that's not something we specifically talked about on the show. Of course, it's, it's one of those things that we don't like to speak from an ignorant place and we speak upon our own thing. But we have touched on things when we talked about the over-sexualization of that. And of course, the stereotypes of being colder or demure or things of that nature. And we've seen how these manifests during this time in and I think that's why we felt so passionate about making sure that we speak out on this, that we cannot let the person who inflict the harm say their motive or say that it was or was not a hate crime. Yeah. Like that, that is one of the most uh, obscure things to think that... Um, that we can have this this crime against where it's predominantly Asian women and we know what our society has viewed and done. They have over-sexualized. There's been the uptick with, between the, the the blaming of COVID. It's just like you said, that that storm, it's such a perfect imagery of, what, of what's been happening. And uh, it's still a lot of processing. But I was watching Trevor Noah respond to this and he said it in a way that was so 
perfect, just way better than I ever could be talked about. America has a way of loving to fight the symptoms, but not the root cause. You know, yeah, we, we, we like to go into the symptoms of the sickness, but we just, we don't want to. We want to swoop in. And, and I'm like, you're so right. We'd rather clean up a mess than get down to what's actually really causing it. And I'm like, it was just like right, right there is we rather just say that's not what it was. You know, it was mental illness. It was, it was, you know, even some xenophobia, maybe even if they wanted to go there, which I doubt they will. It was someone who was mentally ill or has sex addiction and put that label on it and go forward. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's way overdue to get to the cause of these hate crimes. Yeah. I have a couple of thoughts about that before we dive into some history. I think there is a lot of a lot of narrative out there about the motive of these crimes, of these murders, mm-hmm. and painting it with the, you know, um, sex addiction lens. <sighs> um, I've seen a lot of well-meaning organizations really playing up or taking this moment as an opportunity to advocate for sex workers. And while I agree with that message generally, um, Mm -hmm. I personally take a lot of issue with using this moment um, for that for a Mm. variety of reasons. Um, One, I I don't think it can be completely erased from it. It's definitely part of it. And it's part of these larger systemic issues. Mm -hmm. But I think one, none of these people have been confirmed as sex workers. Say it. Um, two, yes, these sorts of, I, I had somebody respond back when I pointed that out um, via social media that, well, these types of places are known for that, um, which I, I don't Ooh. know. I think it's, I think it's a lot of folding into these very, very harmful stereotyping images of Asian women. And it's, it's a long history in this country of uh, the bodies of Asian women mm-hmm. being exoticized, being hypersexualized, being perceived as submissive mm-hmm. and glamorized. And I think by like making the narrative around sex work, it's feeding into this. Yes. It's it's fetishizing Asian women and it contributes to more violence. Mm-hmm. Um Honestly, and I, I, I do think that that it is important to protect sex work and to protect yes. sex workers. And I do think that's a conversation that needs to be had more more loudly and more publicly. But I, I don't think that needs to be the focus right now. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think we need to be talking about the racism and the misogyny that led us to this moment. Mm-hmm. That is keeping us in this moment Mm. that is making asian women fearful for their lives in this moment and we we talk a lot about how we don't want to speak for anyone else but i will say like while asian women are not my people they're kind of my people Um, i'm gonna go they're kind of your people you you put in the work danny you've put in the work (laughs) um and i mean something i said to my husband is like 
had the shooter seen me, like they wouldn't yeah. stop to ask if I was Asian or not. Like I'm always perceived as Asian. In fact, like that morning, someone asked me if I was Chinese. <laughs> like these these things are a continual dialogue in my life. So I'm. I think for me, this was deeply deeply personal um, in that way. Oh my! I'm gonna start crying. I know. I, I'm telling you. When I saw this, I'm like, I'm like, everyone thinks Danny is Asian. <laughs> I'm like laughing, crying because I was so scared. Right? Sorry, it's okay. I mean, I think it's important. To, like we're both like scared right now because it is a very fucking emotional thing. Um, and we have seen too many of our sisters of all sorts of races be killed in this way. Um, and it's hard. It's really, really fucking it's, hard. It's, it's hard because when we bring this up, like, yes, I, I am actually, yes, I want to make sure sex workers are protected, but he didn't kill sex workers. He he, he killed Young Ayu. That's who he killed. He he killed Sun Chen Kim. Like, that's who he killed. And I think when we, once again, lump that in and what Danny talking about, that flattening, uh, when they take this to court, they're not going to say the list of the names that they he's killed. He's going to say sex workers or people who work or are known into this area because he couldn't help it. And you, you know what, when you start putting it together and, and that's why this is not the time and place, I think for that, for that particular stance, especially at this point in time, I think there is a time and place for it. And I just don't think right now in this particular uh, light in this move, and when we're trying to amplify these voices and, and strengthening them and breaking away from these stereotypes, I think it's one of those things of like it actually might do more harm than good at this at this very moment. And uh, yeah, it's um, the response to that. Like I said, nothing has been confirmed, and I think that's another part that is actually really devastating. That to me, it almost doesn't matter if you confirm it, it tomorrow. It, it doesn't think, matter. Point. Period. Like if you confirmed uh, tomorrow, I'm like that, that, that does nothing for me because it is still, still racism. If this person was so addicted to sex and things of that nature, he can go down to like, that wasn't the place if he was really concerned about that. <laughs> right. And I, and I know that there's like a problem with that idea of like, it needs to be confirmed because that is also pushing this like, thing that like sex workers have put themselves in danger like mm -hmm. no like pe people are not not doing sex work with like with that in mind like that isn't a a decision that people should have to make um, well, those are the women who in, in society's mind they've they've brought it on themselves it's yeah. the brought it on themselves rhetoric that we've had because how i mean i like and i said girl, love, i don't yeah. even want to fucking Ooh. talk about that let's talk about the patriarchal mm -hmm. system that makes men feel entitled to purchasing women's bodies mm. once like, again that's... getting down to that cause we want to say that i mean like i said when we talk about serial killers have actually done women who have been in the sex working game for centuries this is nothing new, but yet we don't want to get down to the causes, the violence of men against women. Divergent tangent. <laughs> um, and so I think one thing we really wanted to do is talk about that. But we also wanted to let you all know ways that you could support things you should be educating yourselves on. I think it's really important in this moment, like I said earlier, to recognize that 
violence towards AAPI people is on the rise, but it's not the first time our country is has a heavy history. Um, before mm-hmm. the model minority label came into play, there was a lot of vilifying and a lot of racism. And there was racism that continued to be prevalent since that label was applied. Yes. The largest lynching in American history was against Chinese Americans. Mm in 1871 in Los Angeles. So do your homework. Mm. There's a lot of talk recently about the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, but that is not the only only, um, uh, time where people of Asian descent and Asians have been denied entry into this country on the basis of race. Mm-hmm. It's in fact happened to pretty much every country since um, there was the the gentleman's agreement of 1907 that no longer allowed Japanese who were in Hawaii or who were on the mainland to move between those two places. I mean, and don't even get me started on Hawaii. Oh, um, honestly, that, can we? Can that just be an episode? That later? probably just needs to can be. Can it an just episode. be? We're sorry, like America. Like, yeah. say you're sorry, America. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, um, when we're talking women, the history of picture brides in this country, uh, women from Japan and Korea who were brought here to marry. Mm-hmm. That there has been this perceived submissiveness and sexualization of of women, Asian women, um, since the beginning. And it's not all ancient history either. And so one thing I did want to share, if people weren't aware, is the story of of Vincent Chin. Are you, do you, have you heard Mm. this? Mm. Um, It's, it's just out of our lifetime 1982 i believe and in detroit and this is another example of like racist ain't gonna ask you where you're from Mm. so vincent chin was chinese or was a chinese american he lived in detroit at that time the auto industry was being hit pretty significantly because japan and the great cars from japan Mm -hmm. and so at a bar, some of these out-of-work automotive people, a couple men, a man and his stepfather, targeted Vincent Chin, got into an altercation with him, ended up killing him because of stealing our jobs. He, was, he wasn't Japanese, for one. Two, like, your issue isn't with the Japanese. Your issue is with fucking capitalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Yeah. So, I mean, and that was in the 80s. So I I think, you know, there have been several hate crimes that have led it led to murder against AAPI folk. Yeah. So educate yourself. Um, I do want to make a recommendation. Um, if you are overwhelmed and don't know where to start and don't feel like you understand the history of Asian people and Asian American people in this country, um, I know that I, I'm fortunate enough to have had this as an area of study, but I know not everyone was. So I think if you have not taken an Asian American studies course, a good substitute is a book by Erica Lee. I've mentioned it on the show before, mm-hmm. um, The Making of Asian America, A History. I would recommend checking that out. She has She's written four books, actually. Um, and while I haven't read them all, my understanding is they're all great. Mm. Her most recent book is America for Americans, A History of Xenophobia in the U.S., and I'd recommend that as well. Yeah. So I, I wanted to throw out 
learning the history as an important step in this moment. What else do you think people should do in this moment, Damika? Well, I, I think for for this, I think one of my first inclinations was actually just, and this is something I probably should have done at the beginning of BLM, but it's one of those things when you're so in it, it's so hard to do. I just wanted to see how do you actually report hate crimes in your local mm. area? Because a lot of states do not, A, have a true definition of what a hate crime is. Yeah. So thus, it's very hard to report that. Even if it's a report to the police, the police don't have to give that information when talking about how many hate crimes are reported nationally. They don't have to. They Normally, they don't, which is why the numbers are so inconclusive on hate crimes. And uh, so I think it's just for me just figuring out like what for was Washington State, how do you report a hate crime in there? What is our definition? Do we actually have laws in place? I think also following very closely of the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act and also the no hate bill that was actually passed twice in 2020, but yet to really actually be enacted by the Senate. So I think those are things once again, like it's doing the inner work and outer work, like one, educating yourself, learning the names, um, realizing what's going on in your area. I'm really looking forward to uh, diving. I'm lucky to live in Washington State where we have a very huge population of Pacific Islander. And there's actually things even going on in the base of being like, I didn't know this was Pacific Islander month or being able to take part of that. And what can I learn about their culture? And like, so signing up for those things in the future, just to educate myself and to become more familiarized with the with the pockets that we have here because we actually have like a, a Chinatown and a Vietnamese thing right here like I said because of Washington State but also doing the work outside of realizing what are some bigger things in legislatives what is your state doing what are your state laws against that just because I I think just not knowing of what it is here being new to Washington State so I think that has actually been really helpful of what I can do in talking to like my our representative of like what are we going to do yeah. as a state going forward no that's that's a beautiful action step to make thank you for that while it feels cliche like check in on your your AAPI brothers and sisters and non-binary siblings out there um, so hard time i've heard from people who like you know have had several panic attacks who've who've been really struggling during this time um and just letting people know that you stand with them is important and that you're taking those actions even better if you could be like i have done this work and i am talking to our legislators and mm. i just want you to know that i see you and i'm doing this Ooh, um, do that do that because i think it's like i i love you but i love you enough to put myself out there yeah. And I think there's something really, really big about that. So, yep. I love you enough to put myself out there and to educate myself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I think <sighs> just needed, we just needed to, to say something um, because yeah. this isn't, this is important um, and it impacted both of us greatly and has impacted many people across this country. And we, we stand with our, with our AAPI kin and we do. Well, this um, is part of what we're doing, too, is using our platform. I never like calling it our platform. Like, I think we right. both have that problem of just yeah. being like, we're not influencers. This is not a platform, but, but, but it is. If you who are listening to yes. us, please, I hope you're hearing what we're saying. And I hope mm -hmm. that it's doing something for you yeah. in some way. Because even if one person listens to this, mm -hmm. we need to we need to say something. 
Exactly, exactly. So this is the platform. This is another step that we're taking in order to show our support towards AAPI. So you are safe here at Biracial Unicorns. If you just need to reach out and send an email just to to vent, or if you want to share your story, if you want more people to hear you, if you want more people to see you, if you just need, you know, just someone to write you back and say that they got you, like we have that and all of our information is going to be linked in our show notes. So we, you're safe. We are here. We see you. We're for you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking that this is our, how we are going out on our, our month of sisterhood. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't have words. I don't know. I don't either. Just be safe. And I think the thing that's making it even worse is that that's not even like the only shooting we've had. No, just, no, and since no. since we talked yeah. about recording this, um, we're recording now on Wednesday. You know, we 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 saw the the mass shooting in Boulder happen this week as well. So uh, it's something that we're both struggling with um, in this reopening of the world, and and knowing that reopening this country also means reopening to a violent world of white supremacy and before we get angry emails like yes there was no manifesto or anything from boulder but yeah. i mean like we it's it's very hard to erase gun violence from white supremacy <laughs> in this country everything is so interconnected yeah that that one that one you're gonna have to give us that one's a toughie like if you see a pattern you call out the pattern right yeah so but we hope that you're all staying safe. We hope that you all have a support system. Um, mm-hmm. And even though it hurts and it's hard, I hope that you haven't turned off your empathy muscle and yeah. um, are still feeling something. Because I think it's going to be very hard to change this country if we if we don't feel. Exactly. So even though it can feel devastating or overwhelming um feel it out and we still mean it like cling to that sisterhood i don't think it's by accident we're here have those meetings i I mentioned before uh, last sunday like a form of self-care is clinging to your 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 tribe as it were as much as we (laughs) your your inner circle your sisterhood hold them a little bit tighter message them you love them often and um just encourage each other to be delicate with one another so we love you all very much. Yep. Take care. And uh, we will be back next week for with a mini-sode. And it will be light and happy and yeah. fun. Um, mm-hmm. And we hope that you, amidst all this tragedy, find space for, for joy where you can. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Peace. Out. Out.